Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories. Today I meet another host from BBC Scotland's A View From The Terrace, Joel Sked. During the show, Joel talks to me about his life as a journalist, covering hearts for the Scotsman, and we find out why Gretna boys aren't to be messed with. Later I ask Joel to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. There's a Hummel home shirt from a turbulent season at Hearts, a Fiorentina favourite from a scandal-ridden City House season, and then it's the Blue Brazil of Calden Beef. You can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do subscribe, share, and above all, enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by a view from the terraces, Joel Sked. How are you doing, Joel? Yes, good. Thanks for inviting me on, Craig. How's it going? Mate, very well. Thanks so much for coming on, making the time. Really excited to speak to you. No, no worries. I, I, I enjoy talking about football and shirts. Yes. Um, so, mate, as you know, I spoke to um, your co-host from View from the Terrace, Craig Taylor, for a few weeks ago, and he spoke to me a lot about how you guys took the podcast format of the Terrace and put that on TV. One of the things I did ask him that I wanted to get your perspective on Obviously, going from a podcast to TV, there's a huge amount of increased exposure, I guess, for you. How has that been for you? Exposure as in just like kind of more eyes? Yeah, people know who you are more, you know, know what you look like, kind of interacting with you on social, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind interacting with, with people. I, I would when I was uh, when I was at high school, probably sales more extroverted. Uh, sorry, introverted and extroverted. But no, right. I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind conversing with with people on social media or people out and about. I've not had any, I think the only time I've had negative uh, feedback in, in person. Oh, so there's two two occasions. One was in a pub after a Hearts game and some guy just walked past and just, it wasn't really negative. He was just like, why, uh, why the fuck do you don't, why the fuck do you not speak about Craig Levine and getting him out of Hearts? Uh, but he just he just said it as he walked past. And then, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, and then another, it's actually a guy I know I was with our mate uh, before a Hibs Kilmarnock game. We were going to sit in the Kilmarnock end, but I went to a, a pub and I actually know from my hometown, uh, an older guy, he came in. And so me and my mate and he, my mate's dad were sat around the table. He just walked over 
and uh, he was, he was chatting because he, kn- he knew all of us and he was chatting and then he just turned and he was like yeah uh, I, I think the, f- the show's terrible and I was like <laughs> okay that, 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 that's completely fine it was just it was just these uh, kind Dropped of the, the, bl- the, uh, the bluntness of it was uh, was interesting but you know what people uh, well while, while I'm not a massive fan of that that, that guy in particular uh, <laughs> people are people are allowed to dislike the show so um, I mean people not people are allowed to dislike dislike things so when people are negative or critical online um, whether it's about me or it's about the show that's fine people are allowed to dislike me or dislike the show I've been fortunate that growing up at school uh, me and my group of mates all we did was kind of was never we were never uh we never gave each other a lot of praise it was more like uh focusing on each other's faults or yeah. anytime someone made a mistake then bang then that's 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 it you you're getting hounded for it so i've uh when it comes to being hounded or criticized it's honestly water off a duck's back so uh, <laughs> it's, i find i find i know some of some people don't uh, in general but i find it really easy to uh, ignore or even just laugh at some yeah. of the some of the criticism exposure wise but no it's been it's been absolutely brilliant um it's been just, just really fun i mean i've uh, i've had drinks pop for me at uh, games before i even wow. got recognized i mean um my, uh, my missus and i went to uh when we traveling around europe a couple of years ago and we went to a festival in Bilbao. And before we went to, got on the plane, she was like, if we, if you get recognised, it's, it's just unbelievable. She was raging. <laughs> and we'd just been at Bilbao Festival and went to the Guggenheim. And I was in the Guggenheim and someone shouted out my name wow. and came across and uh, had a chat. And I was I was sleep, de- sleep deprived and very hungover. So I was just like, I felt like a zombie, but it was just, it, well, that was probably the most surreal the surreal moment in the Guggenheim as well. I've been to that town. I've been to the Guggenheim as well, actually. It's yes, a nice place, isn't it? Great place for football too. Yeah, lovely, lovely stadium. So, so Joel, you you were doing the Terrace podcast before you went on TV, and I was a big fan of the Terrace podcast too. How long had that been going? Uh, oh, the, the dates are um, dates are all over the place with this. So, Craig Fowler set up in university. Uh, went to Edinburgh Napier University, so he set up with. Uh, I think a couple from his class, then it progressed to him, Alan Temple, who is a journalist, an excellent journalist, and Kenny Miller, who was formerly a journalist but now working for Hibs. So uh, the three of those, uh, three of them, three very talented and knowledgeable guys, they they were they did the podcast regularly, and then I think just because of work commitments, both Kenny Miller and Alan Temple were, uh, just, I think they couldn't couldn't commit to it. Around maybe a year before they, they they left, or a few months before, I bumped into Craig Fowler. And uh, not sure how many listeners will be familiar with a club in Edinburgh. It's got so had so many different uh, names, but everyone knows it as Cav. So basically, it's just it's like a on a on a Sunday. It used to be a students uh, like a, a students' night, and it's okay. it's over different floors, had different rooms for different genres of music, right. and uh, I. He walked past me and I just shouted, didn't shout his name because I wasn't sure of 100% sure his name, but I shouted his uh, username on a Hearts forum that I <laughs> kind of recognised him from. But I, I can't remember how I knew it was him. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, me, a uh, massive geek, shouting his, uh, his username. <laughs> and then we just started chatting. So he invited me onto uh, one of the podcasts. And then when the Alan and Kenny left, it was he asked me and uh, his good mate, Tony Anderson, 
to to jump on. And I think that was again, my dates are terrible. Maybe two thousand and eleven, maybe a wee wow. bit later. So it was the three of us in Craig's flat in I always say Site Hill, but it's not always Forester Park in Edinburgh. And it was, it was an interesting experience because now we've got decent mics. Back then we had these mics and you had to hold them in a certain position to avoid some crackle. So yeah. they were all they had big wires coming out wires. of them. <laughs> and yeah, so you're basically you for an hour you just couldn't move your your arm and just stay still and speak into it. Uh, so we've uh, come a long way. So that it was just I was one of the first to get involved in the podcast in its most recent uh, kind of um, incarnation. Incarnation, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's just um, kind of added added from there. So I've, others came on board afterwards, like like Craig Telfer and uh, Sean as well, who's also also one of you from the terrace. So there are no overnight successes then. You've been doing that for years and years, that format, you know, and you that's well. that's it. I even just trying to think so I would have never thought we'd got to this at this point. Certainly myself on a personal level, I did not think I would get onto a a TV show and be able to be allowed to speak or try and attempt to speak on on TV. So I, I still have massive uh, imposter syndrome every <laughs> every Wednesday when we record and every Friday when it goes goes out on um goes out on the BBC. But no, Craig has if there's anyone else, if there's if there's someone, sorry, who deserves who's kind of deserved that podcast going into a TV show, it's Craig, because he puts in so, so much work and uh, into the podcast on top of so much, so many other things. I just, uh, it's just just so surreal because I remember Fowler messaging me. uh, So Fowler and I actually did pilots, uh, separate pilots for the BBC. Uh, Scotland okay. when they wanted to bring a sports show on before uh, a view from the terrace so he did it with I think Sunset and Vine who were behind the BT sports it, coverage yeah. of Scottish football uh, he did one there I think he kind of did a social media thing and I did a I did a it was like a question um, question time but of sport uh, it was so bizarre. So I got asked to go along so I was with Gemma Faye the ex-Scotland women's goalkeeper yeah. uh, Michael Stewart a, and a guy from Brayhead Clan, I think. I was so so far out of my depth. See if the if the footage got unearthed. Uh, unearthed. Uh, if people thought if people thought I talked a lot of shit and all over the place on the TV show and the podcast, then they've not seen anything yet. I remember coming out of it because they were asking it was, it was sport rather than football. So yeah. I remember getting asked a question about Castor Semenya. Um, right. and I was like, mm, no idea. Uh, so I was only. I came out and the guy who was kind of producing it, he was just like, yeah, you, you got into it a bit in the, uh, towards the end. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a kind way of, kind way of putting it. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we, um, we, we were involved in these two, two pilots. And then uh, Craig got a message from the BBC, uh, the, the BBC. And I went along to the meeting with studio something who, uh, who are the, um, who the kind of the company produce it. Uh, having just got back from uh, Malton, I, I just still, it still didn't hit home at that point that we we're trying to get a TV show. I just uh, kind of just went along just to see what was being said. So yeah. definitely not an overnight success. A lot of uh, a lot of hard work and then just uh, a lot of uh, a lot of surreal moments. Yeah, no, fair play, mate. So your background is in sports journalism proper, right? Yeah. So I did a four year 
I did a four-year journalism course at Edinburgh Napier, so I was, I think it was two years below Craig Fowler uh, right. at university. And you, you write for The Scotsman and a few other publications. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, I'm actually not sure what my uh, job title is, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I content churner could be one but i right. think uh we'll, we'll go for we'll go for digital sports writer and uh and for the, the scotsman and even news i've done that um been okay kind of started as freelance and uh, a few years ago right i, I was kind of it took me a long time to get i i went i was a local journalist for my local paper the east lothian courier when i lived in uh, harrington in east, east lothian i uh, did that for 18 months and absolutely hated it went right. to south america uh, for the 2014 World Cup, came right. back and uh, been, I'd been working in a bank and then thankfully Fowler was working at the Scotsman and I managed to get uh, in there to do work experience and then kind of just built up. So now I am uh, not quite in with the bricks, but yeah, that's what I've been doing for certainly permanently for the last two or three years. Nice. So it was kind of like sports journalism or football journalism, something you always wanted to do? Uh, I always wanted to be an actual footballer, but... <laughs> my um just, yeah yeah but it wasn't wasn't good enough uh mindset was nowhere near strong enough to to pursue that at all so i think it was around probably around fifth year uh, no sorry uh fourth uh fourth year in, at school that i realized that i really enjoyed just really enjoyed reading about football uh, specifically and i thought that'd be something that'd be fun i'd always always love football so to be involved in football would be would be great so it was uh, it built it kind of built from there, and as when I went to university, I think a few of the lecturers rolled their eyes when you, you kind of get into your first class and you ask what you want to be. And when I was, I just like to write about football. I think right. it's a case, but even back then, it was just like uh, it was a lot of rolling of the eyes. But no, when I was going through going through uh, university, I had very little interest in anything other than uh, just wanting to write about football. Yeah. So you, we talked a little bit before about kind of interactions with like fans and people like on social. I was just wondering, like, have you ever had any kind of like negative or really positive uh, interactions with like uh, people involved at the club? So players or managers, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the vast majority has been positive. I, I can't think of our only negative I can think of is, is re recently was, uh, but it was, it was my, I think it was, <laughs> Actually, there's been a few negative things when I actually think about it. Well, we'll get on with it. No, positives. There's, uh, you're always, I think you're always wary about uh, clubs and um, players and managers. And you, as a fan, you get a view of, view of them and think, oh, they probably don't seem like the nicest uh, people. And then you get, a, there's a kind of stereotypical view of, of, of footballers. But yeah. no, everyone, the, like the vast majority are uh, like so, uh, so nice, so welcoming um clubs clubs even uh get a bad rap but hearts are often very helpful with me hips are very helpful they're the two two teams i have dealt with the most them yeah just few of you from the terrace uh, like the lower league teams are like so so accommodating so i've not got not got many bad stories there's um two i think two people within scottish football i don't think they're in scottish football now have taken um have uh taking something I've written to task and looking back on it now, it's one of those where I I can kind of see where they're coming from. That was stuff I'd written where I was um, probably too unprofessional, too much of a fan and trying to be funny. 
and express myself in a way that was, was degrading was maybe a too strong a word but overly um overly critical in the way i put across a point where uh so one an ex midfielder in the scottish premiership uh, sent me a message on instagram i kind of defended myself but every now and then i think it back to it like i probably should go back and apologize and then a former former coach uh, wasn't happy with something i said what i said was um basically that a player in a team showed himself to be the alpha rather than the the the, the coach who was looking to get the job and right. i think i, I kind of knew what i was meaning but i just didn't put it across that well so i think uh, football manager the ones i've dealt with football players and managers are very fair and that's something that when i was certainly coming through university i was always quite uh, you'd always kind of be nervous or scared like approaching clubs approaching managers approaching players and then when you actually speak to them on a regular basis, uh, they, they're actually, uh, there's, there's, there's not a lot to be scared about. Yeah, well, I guess you, it's all part of being a journalist. I guess you've got to build a good reputation and a good relationship and stuff. It must be really tough to kind of balance the line between telling the truth, but also wanting to maintain that relationship with a club and a player as well. And if a club or a player is doing exceptionally badly, it, it must be hard for you to express that. Yes, yes, that is very, very difficult because I always find that it's even on a weekly basis. So when I cover Hearts games, usually, and I have to do the player ratings. Yeah. So I'm always it's always a it's that fine line. So we we put in uh, what each of the ratings um, represents. Very poor, poor, abysmal, uh, excellent, one of the best performances you've ever seen, etc., yeah. etc. I'm always conscious because. You are you, you. don't want to absolutely hammer a player who you might actually have to speak to, yeah. And then you, but also you have to be as truthful as possible because if uh, so, fans are not reading and thinking, well, what is the point of this? It's just a redundant him writing anything because yeah. it's just going to be positive and it's not going to tell tell the truth. So it's it's a fine it's a fine line. And one I've got to admit, as I still view myself as a fan first. Before the journal, uh, kind of, uh, I'll use a loose term journalist, which probably shouldn't be the case. But it's uh, I just I just find it hard to separate from being being a fan. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still treading that line every, every week, and I, I think I'm more I'm more wary, especially with my written stuff. I'm more uh, I'm more wary of the stuff I write and kind of second guess myself, which is probably better than what I was doing uh, kind of prior and just like. It's, it's just about you have to I think you just have to be more careful about the way you ex- express your point um yeah some and then it's bringing it back to view from the terrace difficult aspect of that is the i'm on there as a fan rather than uh rather than a football journalist so then it's it's i've said a few things on there that i think oh that could get me that could that could <laughs> rub up people the wrong way and cause an issue further down the line yeah. um which is still the case but it's 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 difficult and it's, it's something that i uh, certainly on a personal level i'm still working through on a, on a on a weekly basis yeah it's so complex joel it's really interesting um so look i've got one more question for you before we talk about your football shirt choices cool, cool. Um, anybody that follows you on twitter knows that you're a big fan of tenants lager why do you love yes. it so much it's I, I, you know what I don't think anyone's ever asked like asked me why uh, people just either agree with me or say it is, it is cat piss. But <laughs> I think it's 
there's I think there's probably a, an aspect just that's the the lag I've grown up with right. because that's the remember when I'd like turning legal age and going to the pub that was the that was the that was the pint that we'd uh, we we drank that was the going on we're going to come on to it. they talk uh, one of the one of my strips uh, going on away days with my mate uh, to count beef and his dad and it would always be cans of cans of tenants yeah. so uh, it's just I think it's just because it's my probably my first associate uh, first real association with flagger uh, I remembered Bex and uh, Bex Foster's Bex and Foster's making me very very sick as <laughs> a uh, as a young teenager uh, so like I think the tenants are probably the first lagger of a uh, positive association with right and, uh, and now it's just i just i, I just couldn't drink uh, if going on a way day i just couldn't uh, drink anything other than uh, than and a can of tenants i just yeah. uh it's the it's the color it's the I, I i enjoy the taste the fizziness of it i the, the i just just really really like it yeah, uh, do you know what? I wish we could get more of it down here. I love it when I'm up there, but you can never get it down here. It's a bit of a shame. It's got that weird association as well. I think elsewhere of super tenants. Yeah, is... in Italy, it's 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 absolutely massive, yeah. massive in Italy. But I I've, I've had super tenants uh, taste it before, and um, I'm not that big a tenants fan to, <laughs> to, to go to go to go uh, to go to those measures. You don't need to make it super. It's good enough on its own, kind of. Yeah. No, it, it's like the, the branding as well. The branding I, I still find is is so iconic. Uh, yeah. the, the the color the color of it as well, and it is it's just. Uh, should I use the word because tradition, but it's just something I've just I've just drank since um, for over over ten years and never got sick of it, despite the numerous hangovers it's, uh, it's caused me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, mate, let's talk about some football shirts. Um, the first generic question I ask everybody is, what do football shirts mean to you? Uh, the probably the, the the word that I probably associate with uh, football shirts is nostalgia. Even right. even in my thirties, uh, they still bring the, out the kid in me. Yeah. Uh, if if I'm out running or out and about around town and clock someone wearing a football top, it's it's just nice. I wouldn't kind of wouldn't say it brightens up my day, but I'll, I'll think when I see it, I think about that team. Try yeah. to work out if. Uh, work out the season it's from and then there's that twitter account shirt spotter mm. which uh i just i just i just think it's it's just such a i always think of that twitter account when i see a football shirt out and about and every now and then it comes up on my timeline it's like oh uh um i don't know um a, a treviso shirt in yeah. somewhere in london and it's just it just kind of makes me it makes me smell it's it's almost like a human version of uh, where's wally and especially like that discreet degree of uh, satisfaction yeah, yeah when you yeah, spot yeah. a football top especially when it's uh, especially when it's a niche one yeah um i, I mean i loved football tops as a younger uh, as, as, uh when i was younger and yeah. going into various shops like i think back in the day it was like uh so all sport and like olympic sports i think yes. and you like raking through the the rails and even now especially on holiday you go into markets and uh, sports shops in spain or italy wherever and seeing like seeing the shirts and it kind of just uh, provokes that um that kind of like child like excitement and me moving the yeah. moving moving along the rails and kind of just going ooing and ang <laughs> um i mean it wasn't until it wasn't until this lockdown I can't remember the last time I'd bought a football shirt it just it'd been years yeah because it'd always been I'd never um I'd, I'd never bought a, like a, a recent one just because uh, the, the price I just I didn't never thought I was just wasn't willing to uh, pay that price of a, a new uh, football shirt and then like the uh, the nostalgic ones that I would want are like hundreds of pounds but yeah, I don't yeah. know what was if it was um just seen mates do it and watched a couple of things on YouTube and like um, following different accounts like yourself, uh, the kits buyer. And then I was like, yeah. I've started adding to uh, my collection recently again. It's 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 exciting. And yeah. uh, the, the the shirt I'm wearing just now, I I actually spent sixty pounds on this and probably the most expensive I've spent on a on a shirt just because it's um, one of my favorite all time shirts and I gave it away. Uh, when I was in back uh, when I was South America in 2014, I've been on the hunt for one ever since. Right. Well, look, there's a nice segue. Let's talk about it, mate. So it's the Heart Midlothian Home from 2005 2006 by Hummel. Yes, uh, it is. I, I feel like I use this word uh, too much, but it is iconic, certainly for me, because yeah. it's the it's uh, Hummel. I think Hummel make great shirts. Yeah. I uh, just love the what would you what would you call the, the kind of chevrons. The, the chevrons, yeah, the chevrons down the side. The, the I really like the maroon of the color, and it's not there's not too much white on it. It's just there's just a lot of a lot of maroon. The Yukio Bank is sponsor, and it is uh it's obviously from a season that means a lot to me as a Hearts fan. It was the season we finished second, but uh, I, I'm trying to think of a word to 
a word to um, do that season justice. Um, <laughs> it was roller crazy. Yeah, crazy roller coaster. Uh, I, these words were kind of just even ramped ramped up even more. It was a season we, uh, the first full season under Vladimir Romanov, we pumped in a lot of money, obviously split the old firm, but it was it was one of those what-if seasons because obviously we had a fantastic start to this season. We were top of the league, unbeaten in, uh, I always forget the number, but it was double figures. And then we sack uh, George, George Burley, yeah. And it just kind of spiralled from there, but it still evokes so many good memories just because, especially that run at the start of the season, we it seemed like every game we played, it was the sun was shining and yeah. we just it just blew teams away in the opening, uh, the opening encounters uh, with players who really shouldn't be playing for hearts just because there's no chance ever we'll ever be able to afford the likes of like Takis Fisas, Edgar Shankowskis. Yeah. Um, before they've got, obviously got uh, Rudy Scatcho and you kept, like we kept players like, uh, like homegrown talents like uh, Craig Gordon and uh, Andy Webster. It was, it was just yeah. this perfect, perfect blend of talent where it still leaves you thinking, could this team have won the league? Perhaps, but, I think it should have, Joel. I think it should have won the league, right? Surely. Um, it was a difficult one just because the squad was so so small. So I always forget that we're, we're still playing at the start of the season, like players like Jamie McAllister and Stephen Simmons, who were kind of remnants of, yeah. let's say, the mediocrity from the the previous the previous season. Jobbers, but, you'd call them. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> But I, th- I think we could have won the league if the investment was smarter, and obviously if we didn't uh, didn't sack the manager and kind of allowed yep. him to manage, and then allowed because we in the, when it got to January we signed a whole new team, yeah, with very few making an impact. Uh, we signed basically signed a whole new team, and you always think, okay, if we use that money more sensibly with George Burley at the helm, what could have been? But it it, it gave that season you can think of about it as what could have been but we produced so many great performances so many great moments we obviously won the cup we split the old firm yeah. beating Aberdeen 1-0 to clinch Champions League qualifying football beating Celtic at, uh, at Tynecastle Park 3-0 beating Rangers 1-0 early in the season and uh, the amount of times we hammered Hibs as well so there was just there was just so so many good memories yeah yeah do you know what I was going to ask you? You had a season like that, which was crazy, and you won the cup and stuff. And I guess like all of that happened because of uh, the owner putting in all the money, Romanov. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of things have happened to Hearts in the last few years. Like you've gone down t- twice, right? And it's taken a while for the club to get stable again. Would you kind of, would you still keep that season? Do you know what I mean? Like, would you rather it hadn't happened like that, or? Was it worth it? I guess is my question. Oh, worth it! Yeah, I would, I would, I would love it all over again. I would yeah, absolutely love it all over again. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the, um, what's the point in, 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 in having a, like being stable and having mediocre seasons when you can just uh, live it up, live it up for? Uh, it's like winning the winning the lottery and just uh, rather than just uh, looking after yourself for the rest of your life, just going mental for mental for a few <laughs> years and just uh, go, uh, just really enjoying yourself. So yeah, it's. It's always, this is the, if I was ever to write a book, I would love to write a book about the Romanov era. Yeah. 
God, how thick would the book be? Like, so yeah, exactly. Happens. It'd be, it'd, it'd be a tome. Uh, I'd probably have to wait until Romanov perhaps passed away to do it, um, yeah. just because I think there was, I think a lot of people would be un, um, unwilling to speak about it, uh, speak about it until he um, just wouldn't say fear of retribution, but uh, there was obviously some interesting characters. Uh, interesting was. characters and uh, involved, but generally wouldn't swap it for the world because the alternative from Romanov would have been very likelihood that we'd be playing at Murrayfield. And I actually, good point, yeah, almost scared to think where we would have been. Yeah, okay, mate, let's move on. We're going to Florence, we're going to talk about Fiorentina's home shirt in the uh, same season 2005 2006. This one's made by Lotto. Yes, I was. So this isn't my favorite. So we'll stick with this this shirt. So this is probably this is the first Fiorentina shirt I bought, and it goes back to the uh, Gazetta days. Um, my yeah. dad always, my dad's team was AC Milan, so right. yeah, he would he'd be, he was a massive fan of Gazetta, and it would always be on in the at the weekend. Whether I would actually sit down, I was at the age where probably my attention span wasn't great. And I'd be rather be outside in the garden playing football than watching, um, watching Italian football. Yeah. But it was always the always the league that I um, that I enjoyed uh, from the continent, and it always it was batty goal. And I think it was more his exploits on European football, seeing him against Man United, seeing him against Arsenal, yeah, and yeah. the celebration, the shirt as well. So it always always um, that always stayed with me, and I. Th- I can't remember what TV channel or broadcaster had Italian football, and it was around that time Italian football was back. I think it was back on, and I just I just uh, started watching Italian football again, especially yeah. Fiorentina. And then, as is the way with many uh, many uh, many uh, kids, and who find an affiliation with a team that are out with uh, the UK football manager, I would go them on football manager and. Uh, that kind of um, that that connection started from there. Yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six. I think the team had uh, Luca Toni, who was at one point one of my favourite players in in world football. Uh, him and uh, Adrian Mutu uh, yeah. up front. So going with him in uh, football manager, it just made me made me want to uh, buy a Fiorentina shirt and football. There's a, a shop in Edinburgh. It's no longer uh, there yet. The company's still going. Uh, there's um, got premises elsewhere. It's called Football Nation. They were one of the few places that actually you could go into a place and look at shirts that weren't just UK, so from around Europe. And uh, so it would be a yearly thing from 2005, 2006, up until probably the early, kind of 2012, 2013, I think was the last Fiorentina shirt I, I bought, but it would be a yearly thing where I would buy. Oh, wow, you have a few then. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have quite a few. So from the 2005-2006 season, I think I've got the home one and the away one. And the away one's got, um, look, at, uh, so Tony 30 on the oh, back. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, so it's, it's very, the, the lettering is uh, and the numbering is very faded uh, now. So yeah, I've got I've got about half a dozen, wow. um, perhaps more Fiorentina shirts. The, my favourite one, which I still wear quite often from that spell, was 2007-2008. But 
05, was in the, was the first time I really got back into Italian football, really started to watch Fiorentina quite regularly and obviously play them on, on Football Manager. Yeah. And before I came on this, I was, I was looking at looking at Fiorentina's shirts in the past because obviously they've got so many iconic shirts. Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, going back to, to Batigo, but the, the previous season, they've got a cracking Adidas one. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, yeah, the season before uh, the season before the Lotto one, they had a really nice Adidas one, uh, which um, I, I was a year out because I've, I think I've looked for it quite a few places, but it just never never came. So it was uh, Lotto, uh, Joma, and La Coq Sportif. So not the most uh, yeah, not most glittering of uh, manufacturers, but <laughs> yeah, just the the, 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 the colours of uh, Fiorentina. And it is my um, it's on my bucket list is to go to. Uh, to go to their Artemio Frankie. I know there's been yeah. talks of uh, upgrading it, but you know, uh, Florence and Artemio Frankie is uh, is very high on the bucket list. Yeah, me too, actually. I've not been to the stadium. I've been to the city, but yeah, I didn't get a chance to go one day, mate. So yeah. from the cradle of the Renaissance to the kingdom of five, mate. <laughs> Tell them, <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> nice link. 2009, yes. 2010 by Erea. Yeah, so... This the, the strip. I don't have any. Uh, it, it doesn't doesn't wow me. But it is from the season that they won promotion to. I think it was to the uh, off the top of my head uh, from the uh, promotion from the the through the playoffs to the championship. I was under Danny Lennon, and I was actually there that day when they did win promotion at Brecon. Right. Uh, one thing was three 0 and uh, my mate is uh, my best mate. He's um, a Academy fan, so me, him, and his dad went up, and we were actually on the pitch afterwards, uh, celebrating. And the reason I chose uh, Cowden Beef is just Cowden Beef were, um, were a team where I enjoyed, like really enjoyed, um, the experience of actually going to the football. So okay. with with Hearts, it was always about, uh, other than when my dad took me in that kind of excitement as a child, when I got my first season ticket in 04, 05, and it was very much like go to the game and you want to see your team win. It was all just about uh, winning. Yeah. Whereas with Cowden Beef, because it wasn't the team of support, it was about the um, organising the train, getting cans for the train, going on the uh, going on the train, going uh, going to these places that I would never go to uh, if it wasn't for football. So Breakin, Elgin, Peterhead, um, not sure, uh, it's like Gretna as well. Um, yeah. Going to Gretna and having to um, having to run away from a, a large group of um, uh, youths who wanted to um, do physical harm to us in uh, because we, yes, in Gretna. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a bizarre experience it was before, I think it was around the time they must've started to get their money pumped in. Yeah. And there was, I think it was five of us, uh, five of us down. Uh, so me, uh, three mates, I'm a mate's dad. And they were just hanging about over the side of the stadium and just shouting. And so um, mates were just like kind of just shouting back. And then by full time, there's just this big group outside. And it was just like head down, head down, get into the social club and phone a taxi. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was quite an experience. But no, it's like these these are uh, these away days where it was, it was just about the, the day itself rather than just the football. Yeah, okay. And, so uh, following like going to Cowden Beef games, which I did regularly if Hearts if wasn't able to get the Hearts game if they were playing away or if they um, were playing on, if we were playing on a Sunday, 
I would yeah. go to the County Beef game, and it was always just it was it was great fun to um, look forward to because it was it was again it was just it was about the day rather than just the football. Right, and do you know why they're called the Blue Brazil? Oh, I, I really should know this answer. I really should know this answer, but I I, I don't, and I'll probably kick myself if it, if, it, if it comes to. I'm kicking myself that I don't know the answer to this question. It seems a bit ambiguous, but, to be honest. I did a bit of research, and there's no. I mean, obviously, like it's a, it's a, like an ironic joke, but it doesn't seem yeah. to be like a specific reason that I can find for it. That's why I asked, kind of thing. Thought you might know. I will. Um, obviously, it's, it's it's not great for the podcast, but I'll ask my friend, and I'll <laughs> I'll get back to you and let you know if there's if you can give me any concrete information as to why they've uh, why they're called the blue brazil nice we'll find out so mate that's three great choices thanks so much for talking to me it's fantastic no this has been it been a pleasure been great to uh, great to chat to you craig thanks for having me on no worries man so where what should people look out for they need to tune into a view from the terrace Yes, uh, I think we're back to we're, we're moved to 11 p.m. now on BBC Scotland. Uh, but you can get on you can get on iPlayer for up to 30 yeah. days. Um, I am I'm on Twitter at Skate 21. You might see some of my writing if I if I'm proud enough to put it on uh, on, on social <laughs> media. So yeah, a view from the terrace and just uh, regular goings on at the terrace podcast as well. Fantastic, mate. Right, thanks so much for doing it, Joel, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Craig. Thank you. So there you have it, a massive thanks to Joel for sharing his football kit memories with me. Joel got in touch with his friend Murray about the origins of the nickname, the Blue Brazil. Apparently there are a few schools of thought on this, but his favourite was a story from the early 90s where Calden B somehow went for about two years without winning at home. During one game, the team played a first, then a second, a third, and finally a fourth pass together without losing possession. A fan is alleged to have stood up and congratulate the team on this rare moment of Latin tiki-taka with the immortal line, come on the blue Brazil. I have to say, I quite like that story. Remember, you can follow me and my own shirt collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Joel too, tune into the Terrace podcast and catch a view from the Terrace on the iPlayer. The music was produced by Ava Led. You can get links to that in the podcast notes. And other than that, I guess that's it. Until next time, I'll see you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.